I'm Adam Henson, and I've teamed up with Agria Pet Insurance to discuss everything you'll need to know about your beloved pets. Are you all ears? We're kicking off the All Ears podcast by talking about man's best friend and the important milestones leading all the way from pup to OAP, old age pups to us. When it comes to introducing a new dog into the family, we can sometimes feel like new parents, doing our very best, but not quite sure how everyone else does it and if we're doing the right thing. With puppies, it can be hard to know what timings and training work best for you and your pooch. Equally, it can be difficult to care for your furry friend as they get older, stiffer and sleepier. For our first episode, we're joined by leading dog behaviourist expert Gwen Bailey. As the founder and director of Puppy School, the UK's network of training classes for young puppies, there's nobody better placed to enlighten us on all things dog. Welcome, Gwen. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Hello. Now, Gwen, as we mentioned in your intro, you're the proud founder of Puppy School. Now, for those listeners who might not be familiar with Puppy School, can you tell us a little bit more about it and what it involves? So we are a a network of UK trainers. Um, We've got about 150 trainers around the country and we're doing positive training for puppies under 20 weeks. So because it's so positive, you can start very young and the puppies learn very quickly and very easily. And owners are keen to get it right at that age. And we train a series of things that will help owners to have a great dog um, and in the future. So it's a foundation skills um, level that we're, we're working towards. And it's very much about training the person, isn't it? How to train the puppy. Yes, indeed. It's so much easier if we could take all the puppies and do some training with them. But obviously, we're not. That's not what we're doing. We're trying to train people to get it right. Um, so there's a lot of coaching involved. We try to have the same positive approach to people as we do to to our puppies. And um, yeah, it does take people a long time to get all the skills they need and all the knowledge they need to get a perfect result. But if they put the time in they get a really good foundation with our six-week programme. Fantastic. Now, Gren, that's absolutely brilliant. I I know you've also carried out research surrounding behavioural problems amongst rehoused dogs, so helping to prevent those with issues being passed from home to home and improving the rehoming success rate. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what inspired this? Yes, I worked for a big animal rescue centre for 13 years. And we, I put in a lot of, um, I, was, I was the first person to be doing behaviour in the rescue world. And, and now, as you know, that everybody has rescue um, behaviourists because it's such an important part of getting dogs into new homes and getting them settled. Um, and I was finding that I was just firefighting. You know, there's so many dogs that go wrong in homes or owners don't get it quite right. And then they end up giving up at adolescence, usually because the young dogs are the ones that come in um, often. Sometimes it's older dogs. Sometimes it's unfortunate circumstances like owners have died. But quite often it's young, boisterous dogs that haven't had the proper training. So I started training puppies on Saturday, on Sunday morning, actually, but in my own village and realized how much good I could do in preventative work, um, just getting helping owners to get it right from the outset after seeing how badly wrong some owners got it um, at the rescue work in the rescue world. And what I found was that owners 
had enormous success by getting it done early, getting the training done early before adolescence, before adolescence has hit at six months of age. And it meant that they could go on to have really happy lives. And because I lived in the village, I would see all these older dogs being, you know, really well socialized and, and happy and, and responsive to their owners. And I realized how much good you could do in the world by doing that. So my my aim really was to go out there and train as many puppy trainers as I could um, in positive methods um, so that they could go out and do that. And that's what we've done. And we're now training about 8,000 puppies a year at puppy school, which is obviously many more than I could do on a Sunday morning. Well, it sounds hugely successful. Congratulations. And, you know, dogs can bring a huge amount of joy to the household, can't they? But if it goes wrong, when you don't quite know the, the tricks of the trade and how to get a, a young dog or a puppy behaving properly, it can turn into a bit of a nightmare, can't it? Yes, I think owners feel very overwhelmed when they get a new puppy. Um, and, and you know, everybody does. Even I did. I, I've got a network of colleagues I can ring to say, help, you know, when I need to. And it it's enormously useful when that happens, because as you grow, as puppies grow up, you know, especially when they get to adolescence stage, it's much more difficult to keep them on track. And, you know, as you'll know yourself, if you've, you've, as you've, as you've raised dogs, they're, they're great as little puppies. And then they go through this adolescent stage and they're just like adolescent children and really difficult. And then they're probably a little bit like that until they have reached social maturity at about two to three years. And then they're really, really nice. And then they get old. So, so you get this like window of really happy niceness um, in the middle if you if you do the work and, and put the work in when they're young. Yeah, well, thank you for that. Now, we've researched some of the most searched questions online surrounding puppies and how to best look after your dog as they grow into their older years. And hopefully with all of your experience, you'll be able to shed light on some of these hot topics. So if we can dig into a little bit of detail here with some of the questions that we found. Uh, firstly, a lot of people are asking, we'd like to know how to stop a puppy from biting. Now that sounds like a uh, great topic to get your teeth stuck into, excuse the pun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's probably the question we get asked the most. Um, puppies, when they're little, as you know, have um, milk teeth and, well, their, their, their young teeth are very, very sharp and pointy. Um, they get The adult teeth are much more blunt. So when the puppies bite you, um, it hurts and owners get very upset and sometimes very injured by them if they're not careful. So um, puppy biting is usually just play. They're just trying to play with you like they played with their brothers and sisters in the litter. And they don't understand that we would prefer to them to play with toys so that they can they can play in a safe way. So the important thing with puppy biting when you get a puppy and it's and it's very young is to appreciate, first of all, that it's not being aggressive. It's just trying to play with you. So if you have a series of toys, what we try to get people to buy is long sausage like toys that are very squishy and furry like their brothers and sisters were so that they can bite onto those and they prefer to bite onto those. If you keep them moving like little creatures, um, that encourages them to grab hold of them and bite those. And all the time they're doing that, they're not biting your hands and fingers. If you've got little children, then you need those toys to be very long so they can hold one end and be well away from the little teeth of the puppy. Um, but the more you play, the more you get them into playing with toys, the better 
they learn not to bite people. What, what you have to try to do is keep still if they do mistake you for the toy and start biting hands and things. Always have a toy when you, you bend down to play with a puppy so that you're there with ready, equipped, so they're not biting you and you're, you're yelling and moving around and that makes them do it more because it's more exciting. So always have a toy, bend down, shake it around, keep it moving so that they're really... Um, having a lot of fun biting on the toy and they'll get into the habit of that and stop biting people because biting people becomes a bit boring because nothing happens. That's really interesting thank you and what about some um, toilet training getting a dog you know house trained? Oh that's another big subject so so um so if you think when you go to a friend's house and say they've gone out and you need the toilet, you will look for the white porcelain thing that you can go to the toilet in because that's what you've learned. Dogs are just the same. They learn a substrate. So usually um, it's what covered the floor when they were with the breeder. So it might be a concrete pen they were kept in. So they look for a hard surface. So they might go into the kitchen, for example, and go on the hard surface of the floor. It might be sawdust or, sh or, or straw. So they might go into the carpet because that's softer. Um, if you're lucky, you'll have got them from a breeder who will take them out to the garden when they need to go. So when they need to go is things like when they wake up, when they've just been fed, when they've been playing, um, they take them out to the grass and the puppy gets used to going on the grass. That means that when they come to your home, they're almost house trained. So you can, it's your job just to keep an eye on them and take them out whenever they might need to go. So if you've got a puppy, it's about concentrating. It's about being aware. You can almost do it in a couple of weeks if you're careful by taking the puppy out every two hours, um, if you haven't done so before, but every time it's fed, every time it's excited, especially when visitors come, when you've been playing with it, when it's just woken up, if you take it out with it with into the garden, if you've got a garden or take it downstairs or wherever you are going to get it to toilet and just wait with it, it will sniff, um, usually sniffing and moving around encourage that encourages them to toilet and then you can go back in if they haven't toileted in that time you need to be aware of that and go back out quite soon um, and in that way if you keep doing that and it's it's quite a lot of work in the early days but if you keep doing that you'll end up with a, a puppy that's house trained really fast I remember as a child in our house you know my dad used to get the puppy and rub its nose in its wee and then take it outside and tell it off is that wrong yeah it is it's unnecessary they get really confused by that that's a very old old method of doing it and unfortunately people still do it but the puppy just doesn't really learn from that it just thinks if I've done if there's if there's mess on the on the side I've got to keep away from humans because they might grab me and, and rub my nose in it. That's all they learn. <laughs> so, so much better with all training if you do it positively. So you say, this is what I wanted to learn. I want it to be outside when it toilets. And that way it will learn to do that. Very good. We all need a little help to be a great pet parent. So for those times when your four-legged best friend needs some extra care, Lifetime Insurance from Argria is there for you and for them. With up to £12,500 of vet fees cover every year, Argria's dog and cat lifetime policies have been recognised as which best buys. So whatever's around the corner, take the worry away and let Argria protect your special bond. 
visit argreapets.co.uk for your quote and use the promo code EARS, E-A-R-S, for your first month free and a luxury hamper for your pet. And a lot of people will use a, a crate or a cage in, the, in their houses to keep their puppy safe, to give it somewhere where it can go, where it's got its bed and, and fresh water. Um, how do you successfully train a puppy to go into those? Okay, so I really dislike crates, and that's because I've seen them abused horribly by people that that keep a puppy in there, and and it can be in there 23 hours a day and just out for a few minutes. And because it's so wild when it comes out, they don't like to take it out anymore, so they keep it in more and more. Um, so crates, mm, yeah, you, they're kind of useful if you use them carefully and if you know what you're doing. But if you're not, if you don't, then they don't really, they shouldn't really have a place in, in training. Um, the only place that I find really useful is in the car, because if you put them in with lots of squashy things, like squashy bedding and everything, it means that they're much, they're held secure. So it's like being in a seat for humans and not flying around all over the place when you accidentally break or turn the corner fast so in the car they're great um, and if you want to get them used to a crate for that reason then the best way is to um, is to put treats in the crate let them run in themselves so you're not forcing them in um, and then let them out again and then do the same again several times and then put them in there with um, something to chew, like a stuffed toy or a, a rawhide, uh, not a rawhide, but um, a dried chew um, so that they can spend a lot of time in there having fun and chewing. Um, so they want to be in there. And then you gradually close the door and give them short periods of time in there and gradually increase the time that they're there for and in that way they'll get used to it but um, really for puppies in the household you're better off having some kind of puppy play pen where they can have a bed and they can have a, an area covered in newspaper if they really need to go to the toilet they can have a few toys and a few chews so that they can, they've got something to do if you accidentally leave them there for too long because something, some emergency has happened. Um, and that's much better than having them confined to a, a very small area where they can't do anything. Brilliant. Thank you. And, and what about barking when they're, you know, incessantly barking? How, how do you control that? Well, you have to think about why they're barking. OK, so just like us talking, there's reasons for barking. Um, it could be that they're... Um, they're needing something. So just like toddlers will cry, um, you know, you, you have to kind of know why they're barking and what they want. Um, they don't, puppies don't tend to bark at disturbances outside until they're older. So, so they tend to start when they're adolescent, they start alarm barking. So it's not usually alarm barking in baby puppies. It's usually it can be um, so. So often, it's something that they want. So they'll they'll see food up on the side, and they'll start barking um, because they want it, and they're a bit frustrated they can't get it. Um, you don't really want to be rewarding that because you know you definitely don't want to encourage it. If they if they're barking for your attention, again, you don't want to reward it. But you need to notice that they are barking for a reason. Um, and try to fulfil that reason later on. So if they're hungry, then you need to feed them, but don't feed them when they're barking because otherwise they'll bark more. Don't give them attention when they're barking, but recognise they need attention and give that later. Um, they, there's, they could be barking through anxiety and then you need to make them feel better. So there's all sorts of reasons. If you can try to identify the reason why they're barking, then you can solve the problem for them rather than 
tell, just tell them off, which just suppresses it. There's a lot of um, sort of common sense involved in there and quite a lot of dog psychology. But it is it seems to me it's about stepping back, assessing the situation, trying to work out what's best, which is why using experts like you is is so brilliant. When does a puppy stop growing? When do they reach maturity? Did you say it was two years old? Well, depends whether you're talking about physical or mental. So uh, physical maturity, you get adolescence happening in about six months. And then in terms of growing, their growth plates close about eight months old. So you have to be a bit careful with them when you're walking them. Don't walk them too far and don't let them jump down too big a drop or anything out of the car or something like that until they're eight months old because you can damage their joints and their limbs. Um, but they, they're kind of then growing. They stop, they stop growing width ways at about six months and height ways, um, but they they continue to mature and develop until they're about a year old. But mentally, it takes them much longer to develop socially. So um, just like a person, you know, they don't stop, you don't stop developing until you're about 24, really, although you're, you know, it, it takes you much less time to grow a physical body. Um, so it's the same with dogs. It, interestingly, um, male dogs take longer to mature, so they, they take a bit longer, um, and bigger dogs take longer to mature. So you can have a big male that might be three before he's socially mature. And, and if, if you've kept those kind of dogs, you'll notice that suddenly they become really nice you know, less difficult, they, they suddenly sort of start to fit in and, and do everything you ask, um, if you've done the work, of course, of training, but they can just sort of switch. And it, it for big males, it can take up to three years. For smaller females, it can be, you know, 18 months, and suddenly they're, they've reached social maturity. Thank you. In the world of pet keepers, there's often those who love cats and those who love dogs, but there's uh, a quite a large section of people that love both. And so how do you go about introducing a puppy to a cat? Well, carefully, I would say, because <laughs> you, <laughs> you don't want to enrage the cat. You don't want to frighten it. And puppies are very disruptive to a household and cats hate disruption. You know, they like settled. They, they don't have a lot of social ability um, to overcome difficulties so you often I often as a behaviorist I often go to houses and the cat has left home you know they're living in the garden or the shed and I think that's terribly terribly sad you know because that's just not fair you've just replaced one pet with another and poor thing is displaced so you don't have to do that you can make sure that um, the cat is protected so what the cat needs is to have all its um, it, the things it needs to live separated from the puppy until it's got used to them so that means that it's got food and and the ability to get outside or the toilet the litter tray um it's got all those things away from the puppy and the puppy is is held back by stair gates or um different floors or um some way of protecting the cat from things cats have the brilliant ability to get up high so they can get up high and out of the way so if you provide shelving or you can buy those cat towers temporarily um cat can get out of the way puppies on the ground floor and nothing can happen untoward um and then it's a matter of restricting the puppy's movement when the cat comes down so if you know the cat's coming down say in the evening and it comes in in a certain time and likes to sit on the arm of the sofa the puppy needs to be on a lead and under control so that the cat can come in and sniff him and they can get used to 
they can get used to each other gradually and slowly. Um, sense swapping is really good as well. It might sound a bit unnecessary, but um, it's actually really useful to get cloths and wipe on the on the puppy and put it in where the cat sleeps and vice versa. Um, you can buy pheromones from the vet that will help the puppy settle and the cat settle. Um, so there's all sorts of things you can do that that will help. Um, but really, the important thing is not to let the puppy chase and to have a nice gradual introduction. Some really fantastic tips there. Thank you so much. I'm learning a lot from this. This is really useful. <laughs> and so what about walking a puppy on a leash? What's what's the tricks of the trade for that? Oh, yeah, that's difficult, if I'm honest. But it's hard. It's the hardest thing we teach in puppy classes because we're so slow. You know, it's like walking. It's like us walking when we're young and we're interested in getting somewhere. It's like having to walk with a toddler. And you know how slow that is. And, you know, and if you're walking with a toddler, you just take your time and, and you go places with the toddler that you want to walk slowly. But if you had to get to a business meeting and you had to take the toddler, you'd probably pick it up, wouldn't you? Um, but it's sort of similar for dogs. They, they want to get somewhere faster than us. And we are really slow. So if you let the dog off the lead, you'll know that the dog is ahead of you most of the time. Sometimes it's sniffing something and goes behind, but then it runs to catch up and overtake you. So that's the problem. That's what you're trying to do. Um, that's what you're trying to address. And so, again, it's a gradual training exercise of teaching the puppy to stay with you. So what we normally do is we start stationary. So we start absolutely stationary and we teach the dog that it's really rewarding to be um, next to us. So we feed lots of treats and we lure them into position, um, get them to like being there first um, before we even take a step, because otherwise it gets really confusing. And then once we've got that, we start to um, the puppy has learned it's good to be on our left hand side, say, or our right hand side, depending on what we want to do. Um, and then we start without a lead. We start moving forward gradually, just one step at a time and reward, another step at a time, reward, and then gradually you can increase the number of steps. And the puppy has learned that it's worth staying with you when you walk, when, when you walk because um, he always gets rewarded. So gradually, gradually, you increase that as the puppy grows, because don't forget we're, we're talking about starting with a puppy that's 10, 12, 16 weeks old. So they're really wanting to be with you anyway. Um, and then you attach a lead and gradually you get to the point where they will stay with you even when the lead's on. But it is tricky. It does take a lot of coaching from us to get owners into that, um, into the right frame of mind. So I'd, I'd really recommend owners go to a trainer, a good trainer for that. It is all about patience, isn't it? You mentioned treats. What The little dog treats of some description would you be using? Yeah, we find meat treats are much better than um, anything made from wheat because dogs like their, their carnivores, they like meat, and the, the more meaty the treat, the more likely they are to work hard for it. Thank you very much, Gwen. It's clear that you're a real expert on all things puppy training. Now we've got some questions about ageing dogs too. Um, can old dogs get dementia? And if so... How do you slow the process down or prevent it? Sadly, yes, they can. Um, just like humans, they're living older, uh, living longer and getting older. And some dogs will, as they get much older, will start to lose it a bit. And in terms of things like things, how it will manifest itself to the owners are things like they'll, they'll go to the wrong side of the door to get out, for example. And owners will think, 
what's it doing? You know, why is that? Sometimes they won't be recognized. You know, you'll, you'll go up to the dog and, and they don't recognize you and start barking at you. Um, they can um, do all sorts of things that look a bit peculiar. They, they might lose the function of house training. Um, so it's quite common in very old dogs. Um, and you'll have seen the signs of aging, obviously, as, as dog gets older. Um, you, you really can't do anything to completely prevent this. But luckily, the vets have certain drugs that they can help you with. So it's definitely worth approaching the vet, um, going, taking them to the vet and getting the veterinary opinion on what might be best for your particular case. Great, thank you. So another question, of staying with the theme of older dogs. Um, one of the questions here is that I've heard that a lot of old dogs can cause problems at night. Is there anything that can be done? So yes, again, this is one of the factors of aging and it's it's very common. Um, you can get dogs that start to pace at night. You know, they wake up and if they're in the bedroom with you, you can hear them pacing and you, you wonder why that's happening. Or they might start barking, especially if they're downstairs on their own, they might start barking um, and that can be disturbing for owners and they'll be losing sleep. Um, or they can have things that we call night panics where they seem to they, they start barking or the owner becomes aware that they're a bit they're awake and they wake up and they can see the dog is absolutely terrified and it's shaking and drooling and um, having a real panic attack. Um, so again, the vets are the first port of call with this because sometimes they can give drugs that alleviate symptoms and give you more time. Um, Sometimes it's much more difficult than that. Um, and sometimes they involve behaviorists and we try to look at some root causes. It could be some kind of noise phobia that suddenly occurred. Um, and then we can work on that. But it is a tricky one. Um, it does very often occur, um, but the vet is definitely the first place to, to go. Great, thank you very much, Gwen. And the old adage, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's not true, is it? No, that's like that's like saying humans can't learn when they're over over 30. You know, that's crazy, isn't it? It might we might get a bit slower, but you certainly can learn. And it's exactly the same for dogs. Um, we've had plenty of rescue dogs that get get put into new homes later on and they learn a new way of life. And and just like us, you know, it might take a bit longer. You might have to be a bit patient. But if you're using positive methods, you can teach anything to to any animal, really, if it's capable of learning. Great. Thank you very much, Gwen. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today and hugely insightful. I've learned a lot. So thank you so much. Now, before we go, um, please, could you let our listeners know how they can find out more about uh, you and Puppy School if they're interested in finding dog training near them? Yes, of course. So Puppy School website is puppyschool.co.uk. That has all the information on, on the puppy classes and how to reach the trainers. Um, if you're interested in the behavior problems, I've got a website called Dog Problems Solved. Um, and that will tell you all sorts of things about house training and puppy issues. And it's all the things that I've been asked over the years. I tried to put it into some sort of format and put it on the web. So it's there, Dog Problems Solved or puppyschool.co.uk. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Gwen. And uh, thank you all for listening to the first episode of All Ears. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, uh, leave a rating and review, and let us know if there's anything you'd like to know. You can also follow Argria on its social channels at ArgriaPet, or visit them at www.argriapet.co.uk.